Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers and orcs to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is the Valley of Green Gold, Episode 11. Previously on Rated RPG, our four adventurers set sail from the city of Baxter on a weeks-long journey across the sea. Their destination, Crow Island and the town of Merchant Harbor. Everybody's got their own reason for going to Crow Island, but the wild magic sorceress Silbeth is going to deliver the body of her partner, Turley Oakcrest, to Turley's parents who live on Crow Island. She and Bunny DePayne, a famous pro wrestler who performs under the name Ice Cold Slab Monsoon, both paid for their passage, but our other two adventurers, Wendell the Wombat and Clubhead, both stowed away on the ship. Silbeth and Bunny discovered those two hiding in the cargo hold, then Wendell convinced Silbeth that Turley sent him as a gift to her from beyond the grave. And then Wendell and Bunny convinced Captain Harska and the ship's crew that he's not a wombat folk, he's an actual wombat, you know, like a wrestling pet. Then Clubhead tried to smooth things over with Silbeth, but she remained very suspicious. Even though Clubhead told the truth, Silbeth isn't having any of it. So for over a week, Silbeth has been spending most of her time with Turley's coffin, Clubhead hiding in his barrel of rations nearby, and they're just staring at each other. Meanwhile, Bunny and Wendell are actually working on the ship, entertaining the crew and you know doing chores. Halfway through the journey, there's a dead whale discovered bobbing along in the waves. It's full of whale oil and ambergris. It's money in the bank if only somebody would dig inside the whale's skull and guts and get the stuff out. Wendell became a hero that day by succeeding at this, you know, disgusting task. Everybody starts cheering, including Clubhead, who, in his enthusiasm, reveals himself to the entire crew. They want to throw him overboard. They're very scared because he looks janky. And to protect Clubhead from being thrown overboard by the fearful crew, Wendell and Bunny try to convince everyone that he's not a danger. Look, Wendell likes him, and wombats are very good judges of character. But it was Silbeth's lukewarm support of Clubhead that convinced Captain Harska to let him stay on board. Silbeth and Clubhead now need to forge a friendship based in trust, otherwise they're just going to be staring at each other from now on. Fortunately, the remainder of the journey was smooth sailing, and after almost 20 days at sea, they are arriving in the Valley of Green Gold. So sailing into Merchant Harbor, requires a lot of attention. You can't just go sails full up and full steam ahead. You now have to pull the sails down and you have to row into Merchant Harbor. And that's going to require all of you to take part in some small way, either rowing or helping out below decks. As you are approaching Merchant Harbor, I want you to envision Merchant Harbor sort of as a backwards letter C, right, as you're sailing into it. On the northern edge of that harbor, it's a low plateau of stony ground that rises only about 15, 20 feet off the water. A few wind-whipped trees struggle and twist from the thin soil here. But further inshore, the ground rises up a bit, and there are some hills and robust trees meeting sand dunes along the northeastern edge of the harbor. Two modest docks jut into the harbor here. The northernmost of the two docks is the bigger one, and sitting higher above the water, sticking further into the bay, 
two other ships, both maybe a little bit larger than the one you're on, are docked here. So you guys are asked to go below decks. You're not really going to be able to see much of Merchant Harbor until you actually dock here. Bunny and Silbeth, Captain Harska, issues orders to her crew to have you two row with the rest of the crew. So you're just going to be rowing and working really hard over the next probably hour or so to get yourselves where you need to be. Wendell, because everyone has been tricked into thinking you're just Bunny's pet, you're not being asked to do anything. <laughs> and Clubhead, you're still seen by the crew as a stowaway. Um, Captain, uh, how can we help? Uh, what is your name again? Uh, we're called Clubhead. Right. Uh, the other sailors don't seem to want to be anywhere near you. Uh, so why don't you go up on the top deck and... If we need your help moving things around, we'll ask. Okay. Aye, aye, Captain. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, at ease, sailor. <laughs> Wendell, what do you do? I whisper a sweet nothings into Cold Slab's ear and say, good job, you're doing a great <laughs> work here. <laughs> and, uh, B- Bunny, as you're sitting rowing, working out of big sweat, uh, your friend Wendell is whispering those sweet nothings into your ear. It honestly reminds me of when I was still training to be like an intermediary, uh, you know, like wrestler. I'm, I'm very used to attaboys when I'm getting a good pump in, so I'm like, yeah, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> He's basically like Yoda in this situation, I think. So as you're approaching the actual harbor and the docks, uh, I'm going to give Clubhead a perception check because everybody else is below deck. I got a 22. So with a 22, you see a wonderful small town, a community of buildings of varied size and shape and height. They look like they've been built over the course of, I don't know, maybe 100 years or more, and they seem to be built in different styles. So maybe as people came to Merchant Harbor from different cultures, they built buildings that represented their homeland and the buildings they were familiar with. It's an eclectic community. It's an interesting place. One thing that stands out to you as you approach, you see something flying in the sky over Merchant Harbor. Wow. You can't get much of a bead on it, but it's something that is large. Wow. It doesn't have two legs. It probably has four legs and a tail. That's interesting. But just as you get kind of close enough to really get an eye on it, it comes down and lands somewhere in Merchant Harbor. And that's what you see as you approach these docks. Captain Harska calls everyone on deck. You have arrived. Oh, shit. The set's over? Okay. Well, it's been an hour of hard work, and uh, Bunny and Silbeth, uh, give me a constitution saving throw. I rolled a four. <laughs> a natural 20, 24. Well, that. In Silbeth's case, you were able to focus your energy and attention on this almost meditative act of rowing, that repetitive motion and being able to use your muscles. It just felt really great. And so you actually feel more rested after you've rowed for an hour. Uh, Bunny, uh, maybe it was the constant, uh, you know, praise that you were getting from Wendell. Maybe <laughs> it was that the other people in your row were those dwarves and they were still drunk. Like, how were they drunk? <laughs> and so you were doing extra hard work. And so you take a level of exhaustion. You really just need a nap, buddy. Sorry, big fellow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> I think I was massaging him too hard with my claws. <laughs> 
I'm much more sturdy than I look. Sorry, big guy. So then, don't you worry about it. They say no pain, no gain. Oh, man, I need a snack. Whew. We should go have a drink. We're, we're in a new land, and we need to we need to get ready for some exciting times. Definitely. I, I could use a great big glass of just uh, carrot juice. Let's not waste too much time, though. We need to find Turley's parents. That is very true. Let's go find Clubhead. That's his name, I believe. The the, the shelf dude. Yes, the thing. <laughs> yes, let's go find the shelf man. Yeah, shelf man. Here we go. All right, you get up onto the dock of the ship, the Blackbird, and it's a dreary day. It's a bit overcast, but it's late summer, it's late morning, and it feels good to be out in the fresh air, and you can catch the aroma of food cooking for the first time in a long time. Uh, You get your first good look at Merchant Harbor, and the docks especially are very busy this morning, with about a dozen figures that you can see moving about. They seem to be mostly human working on the docks. Some of them are unloading wagons or carts and carrying things on board the large ships that are docked here. The docks lead to a strip of several warehouse buildings. These are long, one-story buildings you know, stone and timber buildings with swinging wooden doors so you get easy access to pulling a wagon in to unload it or load it. Captain Harska addresses the entirety of her ship. Welcome to Merchant Harbor. If you are a passenger, you will need to wait until you're cleared to exit the ship. Should be a quick process. If you've got cargo with you, she looks at you, Silbeth, then you'll need to wait for that to be cleared with the powers that be here in Merchant Harbor. And then you'll need to collect your cargo and ensure that it gets where you need it to go. There are porters and there are young people with wagons that you can hire to do that for you. Want to remind you all that Merchant Harbor has the rule of law, but they self govern. If you're thinking about stirring up trouble here on your first day, don't. The people here are just trying to get by. They're trying to make a living, same as many of you. And she concludes with a stern warning. If you don't want trouble, don't start trouble. (gasps) Everybody give me a perception check. 19. Natural one. Natural 20. Wow. A Silbeth as you're hearing these words, you're looking around for Turley's coffin because it was one of the last things that was loaded, so it'll be one of the first things that's unloaded, and you're watching as two of the crew members carefully lift and carry Turley's coffin out onto the docks. You don't see anything else. Wendell, you detect an aroma. There is another wombat folk somewhere. Oh, oh my. You're not sure where. I swear I smell another wombat folk. I can't believe that there'd be another wombat person. Maybe there's a whole another group of wombat folk on this island. A previously undiscovered group. Or at least one that I didn't know about. <laughs> uh, Bunny DePayne, as you're looking around, you see something flying in the sky uh, deep within town. It's flying low over the buildings. Give me a nature check. I got a whole four. You're not sure what it is, but it is a large, (laughs) uh, whatever it is, it's large. And uh, just as the second you see it flying low over the buildings, it comes down and it lands. So you have no idea what it was. And for Clubhead, you see another construct. This construct is walking along on the docks. It has two large, sturdy legs look to be made out of large timbers. It stands about nine feet or three meters tall, and it probably weighs over 500 pounds. It's it's walking along on the docks carrying two large crates. It has four arms. And this thing 
is just chugging along as it's taking these large crates uh, to load them onto a ship. This thing is also painted in uh, bright colors, orange and red and yellow with stripes, so it stands out. Uh, but it's moving behind some other crates and wagons, so your positioning allowed you to see it where the others couldn't. Uh, give me a history check. Uh, that'll be a five. Yeah, there's something maybe familiar about it, but you can't quite put your finger on what that would be. All we know is that thing's an absolute unit. <laughs> <laughs> You notice that Captain Harska is now off the ship. She's gone down to the docks where she's talking to someone, a woman, maybe in her 20s, looks like a human. Uh, she has long brown hair and she's wearing uh, brown leather armor. Everybody give me an investigation check to see what you can detect about this person. One. Wendell, you are very preoccupied with the idea that there is another wombat folk on this island, and that's all you can concentrate on at the moment. Fourteen. Silbeth, you notice that this person looks a little bit like Turley, you know, an adventurer type, maybe a ranger, something like that. Thirteen. Clubhead, because you have had bad experiences meeting new people in the past, you are very cued in on what this person's attitude toward you might be when they finally encounter you. Okay. Give me an insight check. Oh, wow. 24. There's something about this person that you don't like. This person is not happy. Oh, God. What was the name of the, the, the kid, the junior? Billy. Billy? Billy. Am I getting Billy yeah. vibes from her? You are getting similar Billy vibes with this woman. Oh, boy. I had a natural 20. Bunny DePayne, what are you trying to determine from watching this person? Looking at them speaking to the captain, I'm basically trying to, like, suss out, are they someone who could do harm to a very fragile Silbeth while we're looking for her people in town? I'm nobody's detective, but I do know if you go to important-looking people, they usually have more information than I do when I first meet them. So I'm trying to suss out, do they matter? Yes, they do matter. They look like they have some level of power, command. Uh, they're in charge of something. You notice that she has uh, buckles on her leather armor, and the buckles are they're very shiny metal. They're silvery metal. Uh, she has a sword, too, and the hilt of the sword sparkles and shines. Whereas the rest of her just sort of seems unkempt. These uh, buckles and the sword and everything seem to almost like they've been polished. Hmm. This is someone who is good in a fight. The fact that the only things that they take care of are their weapons. This is someone we got to be careful around. Do you tell everybody that? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, do you see that person talking to the captain down there? Yes. I'm not saying to avoid her because Ice Cold isn't scared of no man, no woman, or tiger. I am also concerned about what this can mean for us. We understand what you mean, buddy. Bad vibes on that person, right? Bad vibes. We think that person's a Billy. Do you mean bully? No, we mean Billy. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. Billy's a nasty freak who's very mean and hurts Clubhead. Okay, so that's a bully. Billy. Bully. Do you guys smell that <laughs> wombat folk? What does it smell like? It smells very earthy. Like like the shelf man? What I'm smelling is someone else's poop cubes. Oh. <laughs> Can I ask a question and pause for a second? Uh, have I stopped believing that... Turley sent uh, sent him or not at this point? I think that's going to be up to you, Brad. 
Okay, got it. I mean, are you religious at all? Because, like, you could be like, oh, the, the universe works in strange ways. You know, there's magic in this universe, so. I grew up, our whole colony basically believes in a god, so I kind of have absorbed that, yeah. Yeah. As the woman is talking to Captain Harska down on the docks, the casket is offloaded, and Captain Harska waves at Silbeth. Come on down. I come over. We have a few questions about the body in the crate. The woman that she was talking to steps up, and she says, So tell me, uh, who is in this box? Turley Oakcrest. How did Turley Oakcrest die? She was killed by some vile and despicable bandits. Hmm. I am sorry to hear that. And you are delivering the body to family members? Yes. Do you know her parents? The Oak Crest. Yes, I am uh, familiar with the Oak Crest. Excellent. If you could tell me where their home is so I can bring their daughter back to them, I would appreciate it. They can be found in the Bay Beachside Estates. Excellent. That is to the south of town, about two miles. Look for the cottage with all the dogs. The cottage with the dogs. All right. That is where you will find... Roger and Buttercup. You don't like dogs? So many dogs. Go up on the docks, uh, go up on the, by the warehouse and find a young man with a wagon to take the body and the coffin, please. All right, thank you. Next, uh, Captain Harska calls down Bunny DePayne and Wendell. Actually, she just calls down Bunny DePayne. I don't know, does Wendell go with? Wendell is uh, on ice cold shoulder. <laughs> yeah, you probably got your mouth open, you know, like cats do when they smell something. Yeah. You walk down, Captain Harska says to this woman, do you follow professional wrestling? No, I do not. <laughs> and Captain Harska says, well, this is one of my passengers, and he's a pretty well-known wrestler. I mean, he just wrestled at the in the King's Championship for the title, <laughs> and your point is... <laughs> He's ice cold to slab monsoon. He's he's big and he's strong and people know him. Some people know him. And, you know, it, he's going to be here in Merchant Harbor. It, it might be worth noting. And he's got a pet wombat. <laughs> I start flexing once you mention the King's champion. Just right behind her. <laughs> All right, Bunny, I need a... Uh, I need a performance check from Bunny, but you get advantage because Wendell is helping. Weep, whoop. <laughs> With advantage 22. I, I'm pounding on his muscles like they're bongo drums. <laughs> He's my favorite flame. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this woman, she tries to maintain an icy cold exterior while she's doing her job but this is just too much and it breaks through and she gets the slightest grin on her face because this is entertainment at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> she says, you may go into Merchant Harbor. You're clear. You're good. You're good to go. If I had a job for you to do or if uh, something were to come up, where would I find you? Um, And then I point towards where Silbeth is. My first job is to help this young person get this casket to its place. But you'll be able to hear, you're going to hear my name ring all throughout the land very soon. The future and once world champion, Ice Cold Depend. I curtsy because my feet are tiny and it's cute. And then I start heading towards Still Beth. Wendell, say goodbye, buddy. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> 
finally, they have the other people on board the ship exit the ship before Clubhead. So you guys are standing up on the docks. Uh, Silbeth, you have no problem finding a young, strong young person with a cart who can help you take uh, Turley's casket. Uh, but while you're waiting there, after about 10, 15 minutes, finally, you're the last person yet to be cleared to come off the ship. Oh, oh yeah. Clubhead, come on down. Okay. I have something that I think Clubhead would want to do, possibly before he leaves the ship. Okay. Clubhead, while, while all this is going on, uh, remembers the barrel uh, that they came on board the ship on. And yeah, they're, the first thing that happened when Clubhead got on that barrel is a bunch of the spores got into all the food there and started growing into another like fungal colony. Mm-hmm. And so Clubhead rushes down to the, uh, the hold to see if that barrel's still there. It is. Clubhead quickly uh, runs over and opens up the top and looks inside at all the little mushrooms and uh, and touches them. And Clubhead's going to use one of his charges of fungal flourish so that he can uh, use fungal communication to talk to them. Okay, what would you like to say to this fungal colony in this barrel? Well, you said we've been on the ship for about 18 days, right? Correct. Well, you're 18 now. It's time for you to leave the nest. <laughs> I hope that you find happiness and a great purpose in the world. The fungus responds back to you. We are happy to be in this no strange place. (laughs) Good luck to us. We love us and you. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Then Clubhead closes the lid and then runs back up onto the dock. So just as you get back up onto the dock, uh, this... You know, the captain motions you to come down. You have to answer some questions. Uh, she says, this is a, a construct, I think. And uh, he was a stowaway. And with that, this woman's face gets a really big scowl on it. She says, a stowaway? How come you didn't dispose of it at sea? Oh, boy. And Captain Harska pauses for a moment and she says he helped save our lives he ingratiated himself to the crew uh, by saving some drowning sailors yes we did we are helpful with that assistance on (laughs) Captain Harska's deception check let's see uh, if this woman buys it ooh that's a seven Need I remind you whose ship you captain, Harska? And Captain Harska looks defeated, and she says, I couldn't bring myself to make the hard decision that I should have made. In, in retrospect, you are correct. I should have cast him into the sea. It's okay. We don't always make the right decisions. Next time, you'll do the right thing. She's very confused. She says, who is in command of you, Construct? No, uh, we, we uh, us, uh, Clubhead points down to their body. We are in command now. How peculiar. Well, I will keep an eye on you. If you start killing, you will be dealt with. Clubhead shyly uh, lowers the, uh, the dead cat bag <laughs> out of sight. Give me a sleight of hand check. <laughs> 17. Okay, you're able to get it kind of behind your back and tucked okay. under an arm. She can't see it. No killing. Got it. Are you mit those people? Mit the casket? Um, yes. They're my 
friends. Hmm. Friends? Hmm. Well, very well. Like I said, I will keep my eyes on you. We'll keep our eyes on you. Be gone with your thing. Okay. <laughs> and you guys all, all are back together again up by the uh, casket that's been loaded into a wagon. There's a, a young girl, a very strong-looking young girl, like a farm girl, and she has loaded the casket into the wagon with your assistance. What's her name, Brad? Her name is Lily Buckshot. <laughs> well, Lily Buckshot, she is raring to go, man. She's going to earn the three copper she's going to charge you to help with this job. She says, where am I going then? Uh, we're going to the Oak Crests. Oh, the Oak Crest down in Mebay. Yes, that's right. Oh, that's a long way. I should have charged more than three copper. You will be well compensated. Okay, I'll trust you. You guys are not going to be entering into the town of Merchant Harbor proper, unless you want to. You can go into Merchant Harbor first, and Silbeth can go down to visit Roger and Buttercup on her own, or you can go with her. You can explore the town. What do you guys want to do? I, I, I'm all about the like the big promising. So I told her I was going to go to her house with her. I'm going to her house to drop that off. It's pretty simple for me. That's all. There's one vote for going and uh, dealing with uh, Turley Oakcrest parents. And I know Silbeth wants to. I should go in case anyone needs to communicate with Turley. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to go find that other wombat? Yes. Folk? Yes, I do. I didn't think about that. But I I suppose we should see this through first and then come back. How far away is this uh, house? It's going to be about three miles. Okay. But there's no reason we couldn't come back to the city. But I, the, the wombat could be gone, I suppose. Yeah. Do you know how long scents like that linger? Yeah, do I? You would assume that there's enough poop cubes here to let a odor linger in the air. What, Whatever that is, wherever that wombat is here, it's probably going to be here when you get back. Okay, perfect. Another vote for going. When that thing fell, just because I just remember, I, I saw it, but it was such a bad inside check. Did I see it land in the city, that large, low-flying thing? Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like it would have landed in the city, in the town. Okay, so I, I'm still down to go. Just when I come back, I'll, I'll bring it up to the guys. Hey, I kind of saw this thing fly. I couldn't tell you what it was, but it looked kind of huge. So when we come back to the city, I'd love to find it because... I like a good mystery. Of course I'll help you because you're helping me. Awesome! Well, I saw that too. It was crazy. I was just imagining Clubhead as the zombies in The Last of Us. It would be like if Pinocchio was in The Last of Us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like moldy Pinocchio. Yeah, believe it or not, I made this character before I even knew that The Last of Us, like, was going to be released as a show. So, yeah, Clubhead is also going to go with because... Clubhead doesn't really have any specific thing he wants to do. So you guys circumvent town and you just head south along the bay. There's a road, a decent road, because there is a lot of travel, it seems. Maybe they've had cargo that they've taken to the Mibay Beachside Estates. After all, they are working on constructing the Mibay Beachside Estates. So it's a pretty quick trip, smooth ride in the wagon uh, if you know if you're gonna ride and make this young girl are you gonna make the young girl pull all of you as you ride in the wagon mm, it's only three miles right yeah I mean two three yeah wait she's pulling the wagon <laughs> yeah I'm gonna help push I thought it was a horse this whole time I thought it was a cart in it oh sorry so oh, it's just a young strong farm girl <laughs> that's <laughs> 
Um, it, I could never. <laughs> no is the answer that I'm going to say because I Bunny would feel horrible. Bunny, you, you need to rest though. You're exhausted. You're tired. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I think he'll just feel bad. <laughs> I, I'm like Lily. I would, but I just, I just rode so hard. <laughs> Next time you need somebody to push, I got you. And then I just gently lay back down. I sit on Ice Cold's chest and observe as we drive. <laughs> Lily looks at your giant muscles and how big and strong you look. And, and at first she's like, this is bullshit. Look at how big and strong. And then she sees your size six women's feet and she goes, oh, yeah, you go ahead and lay down. Go ahead and lay down. <laughs> My whole life I've been judged off these delicate feetsies. Ah! I am now imagining Bunny walking around in ballerina slippers all the time. <laughs> Essentially, hell yes. Okay. And what does Clubhead do? Clubhead uh, will sit on the cart. Why not? Everybody give me a perception check. 20. Uh, 17. 17. 18. All right. Good job, everybody. You all see that this town has dogs. Uh, not just a few. Uh, you see... Maybe six or seven different dogs. They all kind of look alike. They're white with black spots, and some of them look better fed than others, kind of running running around, no collars or anything like that. And uh, as you get further along in your journey, you see a sign that reads, Me Bay, this way, and an arrow pointing to the south. Uh, the sign looks like it's fairly new, uh, and there's another sign, another, you know, half a mile down the road and another sign and the dogs follow the wagon and there are other dogs that come out of the brush and uh, so now you've got like eight of these dogs following the wagon you gross animals now i am nobody's veterinarian guys but lily is it normal to to have this many loose dogs follow like they, they get fed right these aren't these aren't murder dogs they don't really get fed unless they find something to eat, I suppose. They're, um, they're a problem, to be honest. Yeah. Clubhead, there's so many new options for bags for you. Yeah. <laughs> Captain said we couldn't be killing, but were they talking about dogs? Because we could kill these dogs. <laughs> yeah? Give me an insight check. <laughs> okay. 22. Probably also dogs, unless you Aww. get orders otherwise. That was just a joke. Well, Lily shrugs her shoulders and she says, well, you can you can ask Roger and Buttercup about them dogs. Mm, will do. And you continue on down the road with the wagon, Lily flexing and uh, pulling the wagon. You know, she's got legs like tree trunks. She <laughs> is no stranger to hard work. And uh, you arrive. You notice that Me Bay Beachside Estates... In your, in your mind probably does not reflect the reality of Me Bay Beachside Estates. As you continue down the narrow road and come around a corner, uh, the area opens up in front of you and you see about five completed, finished, small cottages built within a stone's throw of the water's edge. But there's no beach to Me Bay Beachside Estates. It's just a rocky shoreline. 
and a series of ratty tents sit along the end of these five cottages. There's a sixth cottage that's in the process of being built. There's piles of lumber and other materials stacked nearby. A couple of humanoids, a half-orc and it looks like two humans, are uh, working on the roof of that last cottage. They're small cottages too, maybe the size of two or three small rooms, and they don't seem to be constructed with longevity in mind. They seem more like huts than homes. But just as you've heard, the cottage that is closest to the road has the most dogs around it. There's a dilapidated wooden fence around this cottage, and the fence is broken in spots. A big hole has been dug under it in another, and you can see four or five dogs laying around in what's left of the grass in front of the cottage. A small wooden sign on the gate reads, The Oak Crests. What do you do? Well, first I will give Lily a, a whole gold piece, and I'll say, I am forever in your debt, thank you. Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much, I'm gonna get so drunk. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, as I hop off, I, uh, after getting a little bit of, you know, health back, I, I just, just do like one, like, squat with the cart, just to prove I could've if I was healthy. Like, no, next time, I got you, look at, the, see? All right, thank you for your help. <laughs> Lily uh, smiles at you. I knew you could. I, I just, I was glad to help you out. I knew who you were. I heard about you. Oh, wait, tell me you saw my match at Summer Jam 16. Uh, sorry, we got things to do. We'll talk later. I'll catch you at the bar. I was joking about the bar. I'm just like 13. I oh. don't hit with the drinking. <laughs> it was just a joke. You just wanted to sound cool. That's right. I wanted to sound cool like the grown-ups. And that was a lesson. <laughs> Never get drunk with strangers. Have a good day. Ah, uh, someday I'll be a grown-up. <laughs> You've got the wagon, and Lily wants to take the wagon back, so you're going to have to unload it. Um, okay. Um, I'm assuming it's a standard wagon. I can get one side. Uh, hey, Silbeth, you ready to unload the casket? Yes. Let's do it. Okay, so you unload it, no problems. Sure. Again, these dogs are all kind of milling about. Clubhead is, like, standing with his stick in both hands, just, like, staring at the dogs. Not, like, waving it at them, but, like, ready. Okay. If any of them get too close. Silbeth will go up to the door and knock. Okay, so you open the gate. It creaks open. It hasn't been well maintained, but it probably wasn't very good in the first place. You walk up to the front door of the cottage, and while you're doing that, Wendell, what are you doing? Um, I'm just following them up to the cottage. Okay. Is Bunny also going up to the cottage? Is anybody by the casket? Oh, yeah. I just assumed when we took it down, um... This is Sylvester's message, so she should be the one to open the door. Yeah. I could probably carry this casket on my back, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to have it on my back. I can handle it. Okay. Yeah, we're all we're all a part of the uh, procession here. Okay, and club, <laughs> Clubhead is in the rear, <laughs> yes. guarding against dogs that get too close? Dog okay. duty. <laughs> well, let's see if any dogs get too close to you. Oh, boy. No, they keep their distance from you. Good. For whatever reason, they keep their distance from you. Stay back, mongrels. You knock on the door? Yes, that's right. The second you knock on the door, you hear loud yapping and barking coming from inside. Several dogs inside this cottage start barking loudly. We're surrounded! You hear a man's voice shout inside the house, Dodger, quiet down! A small woman with short, curly, gray hair opens the door. She's a human. Her face is pretty wrinkled. Uh, give me an investigation check, Silbeth. Fifteen. You realize that this is Turley's mother. They look like one another. 
but something else that you determine just looking at her face is that she frowns a lot. She's wearing a white house coat with poorly crafted dog faces embroidered all over it. And the pungent odor of dog urine permeates the air when she opens the door. And you all smell that. Yes, can I help you? Yes, uh, are, are you Mrs. Oakcrest? I am, I'm Buttercup Oakcrest. Who are you, dear? My name is Silbeth Orist. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid I have some bad news for you. She looks at you and she, she looks at your companions. What, dear? What do you have to say? Well, I, uh, I was very close with your daughter, Turley. Oh. And, uh, I, I was going to come and visit you, uh, with her. Uh, but I'm afraid that she has passed away and uh, she is there in that casket. Oh, no! She runs into the house and then after a brief moment, a man approaches the doorway. He's short and stout. He's got a pot belly. He's wearing a gray tunic and pants and wisps of white hair are combed over his bald head. What's going on here? My wife says you told her that our daughter's dead? Yes, Mr. Oakcrest. My name is Silbeth and we were very close, your daughter and I, and uh, uh, on our way to visit you, she was killed by bandits. And I, my, my emotions are, are starting to surge. <gasps> I'm getting terribly sad. So you take one level of emotion and you need to make a roll. Two. Uh, you're barely able to control the uh, potential for a wild magic surge, but you do. These uh, two people suddenly break down in wails of sorrow as they both come to realize that their daughter, Turley, is indeed dead. I break down in tears with them. Bonnie was lucky enough to have come from a military family, didn't have any lot of personal death, but I've been to enough funerals of family friends who've passed, so uh, I'm going to put my uh, shoulder on Silbeth, and as I look at them, I want to be proactive. I ask if there's anywhere they'd like me to help start like a family plot to bury her because they these three can grieve and I can just start, you know, digging out a grave. What does uh, Wendell do? Or how is he taking this? He's, uh, is is the coffin closed or open at this point? Uh, it's closed, but you sense that they'll be wanting to see her. Wendell starts opening the coffin so that they can see their daughter. Uh, and Clubhead, what is Clubhead doing? Clubhead kind of turns away from the dogs, uh, Letting, letting them be behind him, which is difficult for him to do. Okay. Uh, and he says, um, Oh, we're so sorry. Well, at least you can always make more family, right? <laughs> the rest of you hear this. You don't know if the Oakcrests heard him say that or not, but they're clearly elderly people. Uh, does anybody say anything to Clubhead? Clubhead, most humans uh, like us, we don't produce... In, when I, in our elder years, and when a man and a woman love each other very, this isn't the time for that, pal. Just they—they're not going to be able to make another one of them. Oh, but I like the way your head's at. Well, that's really sad. Oh, dude, you get it? It's tough. <clears throat> Sorry, ma'am. He's never heard about sex, so we have to do a refreshing. Has Wendell gotten the lid off? Yeah. Wendell, as you get the lid open and the family uh, sees their daughter, who has been very, very well preserved by The Undertaker and Baxter, uh, you all have a, a moment of 
of a heightened emotion. And I would say, Silbeth, you would take another level of heightened emotion at this time. All right. Wendell tries to push the uh, remaining poop cubes in there sort of aside <laughs> so they don't see them. Okay, give me a sleight of hand check. Fifteen. Yeah, you are successful, thankfully. Nice. And I rolled an eight for my wild magic surge. So at now at two levels of this wild magic emotional energy that's built up inside of you, you are able to, to keep a lid on it. Turley's parents have their final goodbyes with their daughter, and they ask you, uh, big fella, um, you said you were maybe about burying uh, Turley, and, um, well, we don't do that. We, we, can you build us a funeral pyre down, maybe down on the shoreline, and then we can come down and watch? I will burn your daughter with honor, sir. <laughs> And so that is what you do. You guys all work together. You build a pyre and you put Turley on it. Silbeth, are you sure that this is a good idea? What are you talking about? There's always a chance that if I learn the things that I want to learn, that I could bring her back. I'm not sure sure what to say to that. I I mean, I would love to have Turley back, but that... That just sounds wrong. Well, I've... I've, uh, It's been a a focus of mine in my life to... um, determine how to bring people back from death. I mean, that's that's not how the natural order works. It's the it's unnatural for wombat folk to die. It's unnatural for anyone to die. What would be natural is if we could bring them back again. It's not really up to me anyway. It would be up to her parents. Yes, that's true. Well, I thought maybe you'd want to try to convince them, but I can't make any guarantees that I'll be able to figure it out anytime soon. So maybe it's for the best. Um, does anybody want to say any last words before the fire starts? Yes, I would. Whenever you're ready. Turley, you you were the love of my life, and I was going to spend the rest of my life with you, and I I loved everything about you, and I'm I'm so sad that we couldn't meet your parents together while you were still alive. But I will always remember you, and and I will make sure that the world doesn't forget you. There's something about saying these words. It is very emotional, but Silbeth, you feel a peace and a calm come over you that completely removes any risk of wild magic surges, and you're able to get closure about this emotional trauma that you've suffered. You are... At peace now. Roger and Buttercup, uh, they say a few words, obviously. And and there is some more crying and tears as the pyre goes up, but there is also a very hopeful vibe between Roger and Buttercup. Uh, it doesn't last long, however, before the uh, dogs start barking again and Roger starts yelling, Shut your mouths! Stop barking! Down, Dodger, down! Oh, dear Roger, oh, don't yell at the dogs so much. Anybody want to talk to Roger and Buttercup? They seem like they just need to go sit down. Before I do that, I was curious. I'd sort of been looking out of the corner of my eye when I said those words. What Did they have any reaction when I was referring to her as the love of my life? No, they seemed like they just were happy that she found someone. Like, it actually eased their their pain a little bit to know that in her last days, she she had somebody. Great. Yeah, well, I, I would like to sit down with them and tell them about 
her time with me and and ask more about her. Okay. Um, while Sobetha does that, I feel like these dogs are gonna treat Turley's body like a free barbecue shortly. So I'm just gonna, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna stand by the body just so they don't get their grub on. Yeah, and while they, you know, it's their time. They need to have their moment. Yeah. Hey, but Bunny, um, whatever you do, don't stick your head into that fire. <laughs> You know what? I wasn't going to, but now I'm double not going to. Give me a high, high five, low five? Give me whatever that is at the end of your arm. Yay. Okay. Uh, Clubhead high fives you. Excellent high five. And what's Wendell going to do? Um, let's look around for anything interesting. Okay. Give me a perception check. 11. Uh, you hear the hammering of nails uh, further down the road as uh, the builders are working on the sixth uh, cottage in the Mibe Beachside Estates. Uh, other than that, you, of course, see all of the dogs that are just kind of running around the perimeter of the fence. They don't seem like they want to get in or anything. They're just dogs being dogs. But uh, you hear Bunny say that, eh, you know, these dogs might not behave themselves. And that does seem to make some sense. I kind of want to go up to, like, maybe one of the workers and ask what the hell's up with all these bloody dogs. Yeah, I'd like to talk to the workers as well. Okay. Silbeth. Buttercup and Roger invite you into their small urine-soaked cottage, and you're able to share the details with them about their daughter and about how you met their daughter and, and all of this, and that you guys were going to spend the rest of your life together. And they are very thankful to hear about their daughter's final weeks, final months and days. Because you guys were together for quite a little while. I know or previously we had said that uh, through your late teen years, you guys uh, found each other. And, and that's true. So you are you are an adult. Uh, I know previously in one of the episodes we said you were in your teens, but you're an adult. That uh, <laughs> takes care of any awkwardness regarding yes. teenagers uh, being lovers. <laughs> uh, it's, we, we're, all, we're all made up people, right? I mean, we're not real. What's yeah. real life, man? Yeah. I mean, if something, if look, if you're listening to this and you're like, some detail about this bothers me, go ahead and change it in your mind because it's all made up. So This is actually my autobiography. But, <laughs> Except for yeah. the poop cubes. You can't change poop cubes in your head. You have the, that's, <laughs> Oh, no, that's candy. Yeah. That's hard yeah. candy. <laughs> so, so, yes, uh, this is the end of, of episode 11, where we have closure now for Silbeth. Silbeth is at peace. You've been able to share details about Turley's, uh, the last days of Turley's life with her parents, and they seem to like you. They look upon you favorably. Bunny, you're guarding uh, Turley's Turley's body from the dogs. Yeah. But Wendell and Clebed, you're wandering over to talk to the workers here in Mebay Beachside Estates. And we'll pick up in episode 12. Hey! And that is episode 11 of the Valley of Green Gold. If you love rated RPG, share it with people who might also enjoy it. And do not hesitate to give us a great rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you really love Rated RPG, you can support the creation of it by becoming a Patreon supporter like Mick and Addy, Sean Henry, and Misanthrope. You can become a member of the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade like Elizabeth Parcells, Jerry Vite, and Mage. And we will be sending those gorgeous Phoenix Brigade certificates and stickers out very soon. The Merchant Harbor Gazette is covering the misadventures of Weary Traveler, Super Justin 64, Spidey Mouse, and Sean Duncan. 
Our grand duchies are awesome, and they provide us with rolls on the table of potentially decent random stuff. Thank you to Duke Jason and Duke's Turtle and Crow. This is really cool. One of our Patreon tiers is called Lord Deputy, and Lord Deputy Chris Fail has a lot of responsibilities in the game. He was recently asked to adjudicate a matter of grave importance. It seems that there is a rot grub wrangler on Crow Island, and the ranching community is upset because rot grubs are dangerous, and selling their meat cuts into the rancher's livelihood. So the rot grub farm, it's just one individual. So far, no rot grub attacks that we know of, but the ranchers want it shut down and they are pleading with Lord Deputy Chris Vale, please shut down the rot grub farm or whatever it is. We'll see how it shakes out. And some somber news, our friends Velociraptor and Jedi found themselves a treasure map. They thought they were gonna dig up some pirate treasure. They went down on the beach, X marks a spot, they're digging, they're digging, and then they dug up a couple of giant undead crabs and boy, they just snip, snip, cut them into big chunks. And so we put the pieces of Velociraptor and Jedi into our bucket of friends. We'll get you resurrected soon. On behalf of everyone around Ye Old Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying the Rated RPG Podcast.